sometimes I, I don't really know if those people realize that they were hardships. <laughs> you know, that was just the the way the sun come up and this is what we got to do today and we do it. Now, one time you had mentioned that, uh, oh, some of the men that could not continue on the trek moved on to Pueblo. Some of the women and children and, and some of the, you know, what, a hundred some men or something like that moved on out to Pueblo. Yeah, there were three groups that were detached from the main command. Uh, first one was at the Arkansas Middle Crossing. They're just west of Ingalls. Uh, the temporary commander, Lieutenant A.J. Smith, said, nah, we got too many families that uh, really have no business being here. They're not laundresses. They uh, have a lot of children. And for their safety, I'm going to send them to Pueblo, where uh, there was a temporary uh, community of, of the Latter-day Saints there. Uh -huh. And uh, so they sent... I think about 10 women and 30 children there at that point. And uh, 10 of the 10 of the battalion men accompanied them uh, to Pueblo and, and built some log cabins for them. And uh, those guys headed down to San Santa Fe and were told, well, you're too late to join the battalion. So just go back to Pueblo. Uh, while the main command was at Santa Fe in uh, early October, um, uh, the new commander, Philip St. George Cook, and the doctor, Sanderson, looked at the men and said, uh, we got too many guys that really aren't going to be able to do this. They're too sick and too, uh, uh, they're just not going to make it. So they were going to detach those guys uh, along with the 20 laundresses and their children and send them all back to Santa Fe, uh, to Pueblo. And they went by the mountain route up to uh, um join the Arkansas River and then uh, by Bent's Fort and then they turned west to Pueblo. Uh -huh. The third okay. group, the third group of about another 55, 57 men, after Cook had been with his command about two and a half weeks uh, down near Socorro, New Mexico on the Rio Grande, uh, they took another look at the men and said, uh, and uh, these guys were, they weren't uh, for the most part, horribly sick, but they weren't, they weren't going to make it. So Cook and the doctor said, okay, we're going to take you guys. We're going to detach you and send you back to Santa Fe. And at Santa Fe, um, uh, Sterling Price said, why don't you go on up to Pueblo? Just hang out with the rest of the Mormons up there. So all told, about 165 of the men were sent to Pueblo. And that was one third of the Mormon battalion. Uh huh. Uh huh. And, and only five women and one uh, young child continued to California with the main command. Uh huh. And there were some officer servants who were the children of some of the uh, officers, but uh, they they were there in a semi-official position. So Price evidently had some intelligence of what lay ahead of them as far as the landscapes the train the uh you know the hardships that you know and could and made that decision you know well cook did cook did. Or, or cook cook okay okay yeah so yeah. he had a little bit of foresight or some intelligence of you know learning from other folks or something that it wasn't gonna be easy 
No, in fact, one of the uh, a number of the um, guides uh, or people who were thought to be guides. This is one of the areas that I've been interested in. Is not not so much the members of the battalion itself because they they're fairly well studied, but the army guys who were traveling all along and and the people who weren't members of the battalion that were traveling in conjunction with the group. So back up on the Rio Grande at about, about Black Mesa or uh, Contadero, they come across a bunch of the traders who were headed into Mexico but got stopped by the army when, when the war broke out. And they were just hanging out there. And shortly after that, we start seeing the name of a guy by the name of Chacon, C-H-A-C-O-N. Uh-huh. And everybody had said he was one of the guides, but when they get to the Pima tribes over in Arizona, uh, Cook records that he ordered Lieutenant Stoneman to buy some of the blankets that Chacon had with him. And that just didn't make sense. If he was a guide, why would he be carrying blankets to sell? Uh-huh. Uh, that just, no, he was a trader. And so it took me a number of years, but I finally kind of tracked it down and thought, well, this is more than likely Tomas de Jesus Chacon, uh, who was active on the Old Spanish Trail and had been to California on OST, uh, Old Spanish Trail, a number of times. And I think he was probably at least semi-conversant with uh, stretches of, of the Southern Trail uh, that the battalion was following, not the whole thing, mm -hmm. but parts of it. And, and uh, Dr. Sanderson's journal says that uh, Chacon had 30 mules with him. Well, if he had 30 mules with him, then he wasn't taking care of packing 30 mules, mules by himself. That's so right. He probably had five or six uh, uh, men working for him, and we have no names for them. But anyway, uh, so that was my working theory. And and I found just a couple references to him, and I found a photograph of him in the 1880s. Uh, I think it was part of the Agni uh, Treaty uh, Commission. Uh, so we have a picture of him. And uh, then I, I chanced upon a book, 40 Years Among the Indians, by uh, a guy who was, uh, eventually joined the Mormon Church. And in one of the chapters, he says, yeah, I... I worked for this guy by the name of Chacon. We called him old, old uh, Chacon. <laughs> and just laid it right out. Yeah, that's who it was. It was Tomas de Jesus Chacon. So, uh, uh, I don't know how other people missed it, but uh, I, I was able to puzzle it out and then find confirming evidence uh, in another text. Now, I have seen that title. I don't have that in my, my collection of books, but that uh, 40 Years Among the Indians. Well, it, it's it's on my list of uh, of journals that you can read. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll send you the link. But uh, but yeah, you know, just a lot of this stuff. You know, you, you just go off on little old trails and stuff. You know, in research, and it's it really interesting how things sort of fall together. You know, when you sort of get a little hunch on something, and things just doesn't quite sound right, and uh research and and you can usually flush it out yeah it takes it takes a little while sometimes i mean you have to have a yeah. certain amount of background before you can start saying ah oh, that doesn't make sense uh-huh and then you have to flesh it out a little bit more like you said before you finally say oh okay well that's why it was the way it was 
Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. Um. Now there's a lot of monuments or markers on the battalion trek. You know, uh, Grant County has one there south of Ulysses. Yep. And uh, I was trying to think where the next one would be. I know there's one at La Bajada. You know, here in New Mexico. Yeah. Isn't there some others in between all that though? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'd have to drag that out. We actually do have a, a database of of those locations. We don't, haven't put that online. I'm, I'm not. Well, I'm not sure if we have that online yet or not. But we're planning mm -hmm. to put it online. Yeah, yeah. So people could follow those, and and I've got most of those in my online presentation. Uh huh. Hmm. But no, it, it it sure was interesting though, you know, the build up to everything, you know, especially through, through the Southwest Kansas area, you know, I just still think of it, but how everything fell together and I, I think it went smoothly, you know, oh, you yeah. can't beat, beat uh, some of that, well, like you say, that Kansas hospitality. You know, oh my just, gosh, you were great. Those people, you, you heard our podcast, it was just they welcomed us with open arms, and so did you. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's I just another me memory. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Hopefully, you can help me out because I I put it in my journal, but I'm not sure that I got the exact correct. Is it Grant County that you invited us to their dinner where everything was produced? Yes, the uh, Grant County Home Products Dinner. Yeah. Yep. Would you tell people about that, and are they still doing it? Yes, yeah, they're still doing it. It's an annual annual dinner they do in September. And uh, it's all locally, you know, the whole plate is locally gr grown, you know, from the uh, the beef that you get, the vegetables, the corn, uh, potatoes, um, the donuts. <laughs> when people say, you grow donuts? <laughs> no, it's with Milo flour instead of wheat flour. They are Milo flour donuts. But, uh, and then the ice cream, you know, the dairies, you know, are providing, uh, you know, the ice cream, stuff like that. So, but no, and it's been going on, I don't know how many years it's been. Oh, I would just be guessing right now, but it's it's been a long, long, long tradition. Yeah, every year. If anybody ever gets to be there in September, I we can highly recommend it. It was so fun. Yes, yes, it was. And it's, it's a, not it, a small event. No, huge. And you know, everyone from the community helps put it together. You know, the from 4-H groups to uh, church groups to. Uh, you know, the Boy Scouts. Uh, I mean, the whole community just pulls together to prepare the meal. And I, thousands of people that they feed that night. And it's amazing how, how quick you get your plate. They've got a well-oiled machine there, you know, getting this meal meal put together. That, that was a great community event and, and just really fun. We really yeah. enjoyed that. Yes. <laughs> Now, did you guys, after you left Ulysses, it was on to Elkhart, wasn't it? Yeah. Or the or the grasslands, I guess, uh, Middle Springs area. Yeah, I hiked the grasslands. Saw my first live rattlesnake. 
<laughs> You'll enjoy this one. Okay. So then he got a little bit nervous because everywhere we went, people were saying, oh, the rattlesnakes are really bad this year. Oh, the rattlesnakes are terrible this year. Watch out. There's rattlesnakes everywhere. I hadn't seen a single live one. You know, of course, you don't always see them. They don't always rattle at you. We had seen a couple dead on the road, but. But yeah, when you're trekking along and then all of a sudden right there he is, it is sort of a, a step back moment. Well, yeah, yeah. But then he was a little bit freaked about all that. So she decided she was going to hike a little bit one day and she was alongside the road. And as I watch her, as she starts walking off to start hiking, she kind of bends a little bit lower at the waist and puts her hands out in front of her and starts clapping her hands together. Clap, 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 clap from side to side. And I said, honey, what are you doing? Well, I'm scaring the rattlesnakes. They can hear. <laughs> he probably didn't move away, did he? He just stayed in his little circle or coiled up shape. Well, no, that 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 wasn't one. She never saw a live one, I don't think. See, because I scared them all away. Uh -huh. Yes, yes. <laughs> Somebody uh, told me that, and I believed them. No, I, I I was hiking the grasslands, and the sun was kind of low in the sky and in my eyes, and fortunately, I had my brim down low enough that the uh, my eyes were shaded, and I saw one land literally right in the path. And uh, he never did rattle. He, I, I had my stick and I moved him aside a little bit, but he's just, he's a pretty chill rattlesnake. Uh -huh. Now, did you actually, and I'd never asked you this before, but uh, it was mainly county roads, but you, you did walk actual trail traces. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, the vast majority of the trail is on private land or in in the kind of land that you know i'm not going to go hiking through somebody's cornfield yeah you know, that's right yeah. don't do that so we we marked out using historic sources and other people's maps uh, as best we could the original trail and then we correlated those with the battalion's description of where they were and and tried to verify that you know yeah okay where they say is they were is a pretty good match for where the santa fe trail is marked and so, but yeah, once we got to the grasslands there in Southwest Kansas, that's really the first long stretch of original trail that I could hike. And I think went, oh, I don't know, 15, 18, 20 miles, something like that, right through yep. the grasslands. That was really fun. Yeah, yeah. And then, and there's, that, then there's that other stretch over in the uh, Northeast corner of New Mexico. Yes, uh, over by Seneca and, yeah. uh, uh, well, it'd be North and East of Clayton up in that area yeah yeah, yeah. uh yeah uh, that's a pretty country over there you know uh where we couldn't walk on actual trail you know we we tried to take the county road or the city street as close to the uh trail as possible so 95 percent of the time we were within a half mile of where the trail actually was at uh-huh yeah yeah of course, then, there, then there were those were stretches where we had no idea what we were doing <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, a lot of the trail is erased out here, or you know, in uh, in certain spots, you know, there's just no more visible evidence of it outside of what would be laying under the ground that went out of someone's uh, trouser pockets or something. Yep. 
which being here in New, Northeast New Mexico now, or have been for the, over the last six, seven years, uh, it's nice to see some of this untouched land and you can still see that that trail trace going through it. And, uh, just sort of a calming sense to get out there on the trail, like around the point of rocks and you know, a stretch there to the west of the point of rocks and then you know a stretch there to the east that uh and the guy that i'm working for currently uh some of his pasture land does have the trail on it so oh. it's always nice and i keep thinking you know when we're moving cattle or something like that uh i time travel back and keep thinking we're pushing beeves to fort union <laughs> <laughs> down the trail now, a couple of weeks ago, I, I came through that area and I saw the sign for Point of Rocks on Faye Ga on the Gaines uh, old farm was still yes. up. Are, are they still allowing, uh, are, are the new owners still allowing people to access the Point of Rocks there? Right now, that is closed off to public access. Darn. Yeah, that is closed off to public access. And, well, I actually live about uh, six miles straight south of the point of rocks right now so wow. so you i probably could have seen you going down the highway if i'd have known i'd have went out to the highway and <laughs> at least at least give you a howdy well sorry i was i was in kind of a rush i was trying to get <laughs> over to Golandrinus to to participate with their event yeah yeah but uh now if you're out in this area or something yeah you just like you're going to the point of rocks and we're we're really easy to find out here well, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to, <laughs> not a lot to distract the eye except the scenery. That's right. <laughs> and, and, and with the current conditions of uh, the sickness going around, uh, we go to the extreme at social distancing. You know, I think we're about six miles <laughs> from, uh, from the nearest person. <laughs> so. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> That is, that's one of our memories of being out there is just, Kevin went after Faye Gaines, we were in a place where he saw no human, human, whatever, what do you yeah, say? We, we were no in, evidence of human. Yeah, we were, we were invited to make a presentation to a, a, a church group out on the, on some property. And, and then we were invited to actually spend the night on that property and literally right beside the ruts we is where we pitched our tents and uh -huh. uh, the swales excuse me i'm going to be more technically correct the swales. <laughs> and uh and you know as it got dark uh we looked around and literally because we were in a little bit of a bowl there could not see a single tra traffic light uh uh, street light uh, couldn't see any highway with vehicles on it the only time we saw anything human is if a airplane passed overhead or a satellite came into view that was mm -hmm. it and the stars are so crisp and they go all the way down to the horizon line yep you know all the way you know they just reach it all the way down you know it's a it's beautiful yeah, and, and I've always enjoyed the sky, ever, even since I was a little kid. And, uh, oh, my gosh, uh, yeah, it's it's a religious experience to be out there and, and see that kind of light. And then I lived in Long Island for, for a year and a half, and there literally were only five celestial ob objects you could see with the naked eye, the moon and four stars. That was it. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's just uh if those people only knew what they was missing. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, it's you've heard the story, you know, they lose they lose power in New York and everybody freaks out about what's that bright stri stripe of white in the sky. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what we call the Milky Way. Well, they sell those down there on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, since we're talking about Point of Rocks, and um, since one of our fond memories was staying with Faye Gaines for a couple of nights, uh -huh. I think you are probably the best person to honor her and to share with people what an amazing woman she was. Would you mind just speaking uh, a little bit about Faye? And for those of you who are listening in our last podcast, we mentioned Faye about what a wonderful person she was, but we weren't sure if she was still alive. And since then, Jeff's um, let me know that she passed away recently. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Faye was definitely, truly a pioneer lady. You know, she was strong and, but she was as soft as anyone could be. You know, she never knew a stranger. And uh, I'd been uh, so acquainted with her for probably 25 years or more. And more so recently, you know, in the last, you know, six or seven years, you know, a lot closer and lived with her for about two years. But uh, she was very true, a true lady. Um, really enjoyed her history of, you know, educating me on things around, uh, oh, her, her area, you know, the ranch and the neighbors, the different landscapes and things, you know, she just uh, quite, quite the woman. And she'll be sorely missed. Yes, I mean, she'll be sorely missed. Exactly. Um, I believe her funeral service is going to be on the 13th of November in Clayton, New Mexico. Oh. So, uh, but yeah, she will surely be missed. Uh, she lived on the ranch for 70 years. You know, that's a long time in one spot. Uh, I did not realize it. I thought they'd come to it more recently. No, no. She, she'd been there for seven, 70 years. Wow. And she grew up on the other side of the, of the mountains, of the Chico Hills, over at Kiowa, which would be just south of uh, Kaplan Volcano area. Yeah. You know, so, uh, no, she really knew this area quite well. And uh, it was a pleasure having her as a friend and uh, getting to experience some of her thoughts and memories, you know, that she had and sharing them and she'd share them with anybody. Yep. She was, when we were there, um, she had just had cataract surgery and some of her friends, a couple of her girlfriends were there trying to help take care of her. And um, of course, when we were there, we thought she was elderly but <laughs> she was not. They were telling me that she was up on her, they caught her up on her windmill trying to repair it when she was about 79. And um, 
I remember talking to her and she was saying, we were talking about the beautiful place that she lived in, right? I mean, you know, it's uh-huh. spectacularly beautiful. And her obituary said that she and her husband built that home themselves. Yes. And so that was her little garden of Eden. And I, I said, oh my goodness, you know, the months that the couple of months that we had spent out on the trail so far, I had just come to love the rural setting and being out in nature. And, you know, we'd see her ride her four wheeler around. <laughs> I said, oh, you know, she would ride that, ride that thing like a kid. You know, I mean, she would just get on it and, you know, lay the steel to it and you'll open that throttle up and just take off and go it was nothing but a cloud of dust behind her a bat out of hell yeah yeah and and, And, you uh, know when you sit you talk about these pioneer people that just got up every day and did what they had to do of course she lost her husband and then i don't know that she had any kids to help her i mean she had that ranch to take care of and she took care of it yes yeah yeah and and you know if something needed done you know She'd just get out there and do it. And you, you talked about, you know, when she, you know, would need or everyone would think she would need help. Well, she didn't need help in her mind, but I caught her going across the backyard one day there, at the fireplace. There's a little bitty water leak and uh, she was going across the backyard with a ladder. And this was maybe two years ago. <laughs> And I went out there and said, what in the world are you doing? She goes, I'm going to get up there on that roof and fix that water leak. I said, you are not. I've been up there before. <laughs> I said, I'm sure you have, but not today. <laughs> but uh, Well, one yeah. of the things that really touched me, and I has it has never, ever left my mind, is we were discussing, I said, you just live in such a beautiful place. Um, how could you ever you know, leave this place. I said, I think it would be so hard to have to go and live in the city. And she looked at me and she said, you know, it wouldn't be my first choice, but uh-huh. I, I can do whatever I need to do. Uh-huh. And I thought, wow, this lady's got life down. <laughs> she yeah. knows. And um, just pretty emotional to get the chance to visit with her and be in her home. Oh, I know. Yes. Yes. But no, she was a wonderful woman. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm glad I had the opportunity to uh, experience that with her, you know, or be part of it and her be part of my life. And, you know, it's just, it was a blessing. Well, we're grateful that you were able to help her in those last few years. But, uh, yep, that was great. Yeah. Now you were out for the uh, that DAR uh, marker that they set on her property, or was it that other that other meeting? No, that was a bus tour meeting or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the 2019 Santa Fe conference. Yes, the Santa Fe conference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Came out for that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, and we were surprised to see you there delightfully exactly. so yeah yeah and uh i was the same uh, well shucks there's kevin and denny so <laughs> yeah. 
it's just amazing all the faces that you see at these these uh conferences and things of well i really don't know a lot of people but you sort of sit back and think about it it's a pretty tight community in these these trail groups yeah of knowing folks that develops over years mm -hmm. on 9 28 2008 we stayed with Faye Gaines at Point of Rocks. One evening, we asked her some questions, and she was kind enough to let us record her answers. I'm Faye Gaines. I live at the Point of Rocks. This has been my home for over 60 years, and I feel blessed because I see the beautiful view every morning I get up. This, uh, this was a famous uh, landmark on the Santa Fe Trail where they could usually, they always found water, maybe not what the amount they wanted, but there was always water here. It was home of the Indians in the early, they hunted buffalo, elk, antelope, and other wild animals here. There, we have the largest group of marked unknown graves on the trail are here. One grave is marked Isaac Allen, 1848. We have no clue who Isaac Allen was with all the research we've done. Uh, I have read that Dr. White's Negro lady's hair was found here at the point when Mrs. White and the daughter was abducted by the Indians. I don't know if she was buried here. They don't tell me that, just that her hair was found here. We have about 10 miles of the Santa Fe Trail. We like people to come and hike and appreciate like we do. What has the Santa Fe Trail come to mean to you? And why is it important? I, because I like history, I can see how it evolved to becoming what we are now. I, I love the trail. I don't know why. Didn't answer you very good. If there was one thing you could pass along to people about the importance of studying history, what would it be? Our lives are all history. I, I don't know how to answer that. We are who we are because of history of our families. Yeah, it's 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 who we are. History is who we are. History is wonderful. And what was one of your favorite stories about the trail in this area? Probably the, the White Party. Uh, how they called Kit Carson in, what, weeks later? And he was able to track even though the Indians all the time were splitting and trying to throw them off, he was still able to locate Mrs. White, even though he didn't save her. He, If they had listened to Kit Carson, she might have lived. But in reading about the, her physical condition, she probably wouldn't have wanted to live. But just the fact that he could use signs that were weeks old and still locate her when the Indians all the time were working hard and doing all kinds of things to throw 
throw the trackers off. Yes, he was good at what he did. Is that enough? Two questions we have. Number one, this is a 200th year anniversary of the Santa Fe Trail. And of course, you know, our focus was the Mormon Battalion Trail. But I like to ask people how studying the trail has impacted them and their lives and what their takeaways are. So could you share that with us? What has studying and being involved with the Santa Fe Trail done for you personally? Well, it's, uh, oh, the greater fellowship of, you know, people along the corridor of the trail. You know, you don't have to necessarily be on the trail, but, you know, just those trail groups, the relationships you get with people from, oh, different regions. Um, everyone sort of is in that same same pipeline and uh it's so enriching really you know just when you get to you know telling stories well like this deal here even you know this podcast this uh you know us talking about trail and history and stuff and just the little connections you know it's just i don't know if i've ever met a stranger you know we uh, we lived in uh in a motel for a while and uh i sort of consider myself the chamber of commerce guy of the motel you know because i was always in and out of the parking lot <laughs> You know, well, how are you doing today? And, you know, just just greeting people, hearing stories, the histories and things like that. Everyone should, and I think they do for the most part, enjoy and relish histories. It's fun sharing, sharing your stories. Stories bring it back to life. That They do. They do. Yeah. The Santa Fe Trail lives on. It does. It, it certainly does. And it will continue and continue, and as well, you know, the, the the battalion, their trek, their their trials and struggles that they went through. You can just see people's eyes and uh, and their brains engaging when things are revealed like that. Is there any other memories or thoughts that you have thought of that we didn't cover that you want to share? Well, not that I can really think of. That outside of uh, when's your next one going to be? Well, funny you should ask that. Because I, it'd be sort of interesting to try to, well, I don't know if I could do the whole thing, but uh, join on, on a little while of it would be sort of fun. If everything works out just right, I'm hoping to hike from Pueblo to Salt Lake City next May and June and July uh -huh. uh, to follow the route by the Pueblo detachments up to Salt Lake. Okay, now that, and that route would be Pueblo to Raton area. No, Pueblo, Pueblo up to Denver, Denver to Cache oh, okay. La Poudre, uh, from there to Laramie, Fort Laramie, and then west following the California and Mormon Trail into Salt Lake Valley. Okay, okay. Some of those other trails, those Mormon trails, only one I'm familiar with was the one that was related to the santa fe trail we'll go to the old spanish and then continue on out and you know, and then the southern route in on into california yeah most of those are all all related to each other yeah mm -hmm. so i'll i'll keep you in mind i'll send you information yeah well, more real maybe <laughs> yeah. yeah and like we say time keeps clicking doesn't it yeah <laughs> Yeah, I really enjoyed it and uh, getting to meet you folks, you know, years back and, uh, you know, just sharing our commonalities and our interests. It's just very rewarding. Well, appreciate you. All you did for us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So good to hear your voice. Well, like I say, we'll have to 
do a, a face to face sometime. I don't I don't know how you do FaceTime. So uh, they say you can do that on these phones, but I'm surprised I'm even doing a podcast. So are we. <laughs> not, not that you're surprised that you're doing it, surprised that we are doing it. Yeah. Well, or even being on one. But, uh, well, everybody that's listening, you can see why we had such a good time with Jeff. Well, thank you so much for sharing some of your thoughts and insights about that area of Kansas along the trail and yeah well I am following on the podcast now you know I I am uh, I might be one of the newest subscribers possibly because I just uh did do the subscribe deal oh probably about two hours before this uh this is being recorded now I will be following it and we do listen to the podcast whenever we're traveling good deal well we really love you guys tell Shelly hi and we will talk to you again okay mighty fine thank you and have a uh, great day mm-hmm.